Good evening. If you would, open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. That's where we're going to take the text this afternoon, Philippians chapter 2. Uh, but before we get there, I'm going to ask you a question. Uh, what if I gave you the following list of names? Uh, do any of these maybe ring a bell as a list? Uh, Tyler, Van Buren, Harrison, Arthur, McKinney. You know, maybe, maybe that doesn't ring a bell for you right now, but what if I were to add into that list Washington, Lincoln, Jefferson, Roosevelt, Kennedy? Well, I think now you got the point. Now you know that I was listing or naming a list of past presidents uh, uh, that we've had. And there are just, you know, there are some presidents uh, that are just, you know, maybe they're, they're forgettable. They're not household names. But likewise, uh, we know that within Scripture, there are also uh, individuals that uh, we might forget about from time to time. You know, when, when we think of the Old Testament, we think of uh, Noah and Abraham and Moses and, and David. And in the New Testament, you know, Jesus, of course, comes to mind and Mary and Peter and Paul and Timothy, those uh, individuals. But and many of our lessons are designed uh, behind their lives. But there are figures uh, that maybe are lesser known, but they're still powerful lessons. You know, some say that there are no minor figures in the New Testament, uh, but there are these lesser known individuals. And when we hear their, their names, maybe we have to stop and think for a while. Where, where have I heard that name before? Uh, what, what book is uh, that individual in? Uh, maybe it's Lydia or Zacchaeus or Nicodemus or Priscilla or Aquila. You know, those are names that when we hear, we have to stop and think, uh, you know, where, where within scripture can we find them? Uh, despite, you know, no immediate recognition, again, each one of these individuals plays a vital role uh, within the ministry of Jesus and also the early church. And Epaphroditus, who we're going to study here this evening, he's one of these individuals. He's an excellent example of a Christian who we want to emulate. And I hope you'll notice that here uh, this evening. You know, that not many of us are going to be the Pauls and the Peters uh, of Christianity. And again, it's examples like this, like Epaphroditus of individuals that we can look at and say, you know, that's an everyday follower. That's a man that I can get behind and I can, uh, you know, use him as, a, as an example. And so we're going to notice just three quick things here this afternoon is that we want to notice that Epaphroditus' Christianity is, is going to be consistent it's going to be concerned, uh, and it's going to be complete. So let, let's look at the, and the first one here in verse 25. I'm going to go ahead and read uh, verse 25 through the end of the chapter so we get the context of what we're reading about, and then we'll dissect it from there. So Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 25, Paul writes, But I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger and minister to my need. Because he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed he was sick to the point of death, but God had mercy on him and not on him only, but also on me, so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore I have sent him all the more eagerly so that when you see him again, you may rejoice and I may be less concerned about you. Receive him then in the Lord with all joy and hold men like him in high regard. Because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was deficient in your service to me. 
You know, Philippians chapter 2 is a, a pretty interesting chapter. If you were to break it down, uh, you'd notice that Paul is saying, you know, we, we want to be uh, examples, uh, Christ-like examples. And so he gives Christ as an example, verses 1 through 11. And then he goes into himself, Paul, as an example, 12 through 18. And then Timothy is mentioned in verses 19 through 24. But verses 25 through 30 is this man by the name of Epaphroditus. Again, we're very familiar with those first three examples in this chapter. And then we get to this man named Epaphroditus that, well, quite frankly, this is the only time uh, that he is mentioned is in the book of Philippians uh, here in chapter two and in chapter four again. Uh, so while Paul is in Roman imprisonment, again, we understand that he writes this letter while he's in uh, his first Roman imprisonment. He writes this epistle. And of course, you know, Paul uh, is in prison and these, this isn't like a modern day uh, prison. Uh, this isn't three square meals a day, and maybe you get to watch a little television and exercise. I mean, these are rough conditions. And so uh, we know that many of the, the Macedonian churches uh, were in poverty, uh, we're told. Uh, however, what's great about this church here in Philippi is they helped fund Paul's mission throughout uh, his career, throughout his many missionary journeys. They, they uh, in chapter uh, 4 verse 18 of Philippians, or excuse me, verse 15 specifically, we see that uh, you yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel, after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, but you alone. This church here played a vital role in Paul's missionary journeys when he left Philippi to go into Thessalonica. You know, and this morning we spent a lot of time talking about the church in Thessalonica. But the Philippian church here is to be commended as well. And while in Rome, look at, look at verse 18 of chapter 4, if you're there still. Paul says, But I have received everything in full and have an abundance. I am amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. Again, Epaphroditus and the Philippian church are supplying Paul's needs. Uh, whatever that may be, you know, maybe it had been uh, money or clothing or food, but even Epaphroditus's own labor, his own manual labor. And so if we go back to chapter two, specifically in verse 25, notice again uh, these these words that um, that Paul describes Epaphroditus, that he was a consistent. That's what we want to notice, that he was consistent in his Christianity. First, he says that he was Paul's brother. This is a familial type of term that, you know, as God's people, we all have a common parent. And then he says he was Paul's fellow worker, you know, speaking vocationally, uh, working side by side with him, laboring in the fields. You know, I'm reminded of Matthew chapter 20 when when Jesus gives the parable of the laborers in the vineyards. And, you know, the, 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 the master goes out into the marketplace and he goes and he finds those workers who are going to work, you know, that 12 hour day. And each time he goes back and he brings more and more laborers in the vineyard. I, I imagine all the way down to, you know, that 11th hour worker, that one person that's going to work one hour in the field. But I imagine Epaphroditus is one of those, you know, 12 hour workers. He, Paul is commending him so much for uh, his work side by side with him, working from sun up to sun down. And then he also refers to him as Paul's fellow soldier, you know, a military term that he's ready to work and take action for the gospel. He's ready to fight the good fight that Paul uh, speaks often about, to put on the full armor of God. But then also notice in verse 25 that he says to, uh, to the Philippians that he is your messenger 
and minister to my needs. Uh, that, that word there, messenger, is where we get the word apostle. And not that uh, Epaphroditus was one of the apostles, one of the 12 apostles, but he was a, you know, a lowercase apostle. The word apostle just simply means one sent forth. And Epaphroditus, he was sent forth with a message, with a mission uh, that the church in Philippi had for him to do, to go and to uh, serve uh, Paul while he was uh, in prison. And this was a man who the church in Philippi said, that is a man that we want to send. We want to send him because he, uh, we're, we have confidence in him. We know that he'll get the job done. And then finally in verse 25, he says that he is a minister of my needs. See, when he got to Rome, he did, simply didn't just deliver uh, the, the gift from the Philippian church and then take off and return immediately to Philippi, but he stayed and he served. Right, Paul, of course, was an older man at this time. He was restricted by his imprisonment. You know, we think someone's got to, you know, purchase and prepare his food for him. Someone has to do his laundry. Someone has to run his errands. Someone has to keep him company, right? That's what this man, Epaphroditus, most likely would have done. And wouldn't it be wonderful for us to be remembered as someone like Epaphroditus? Again, this consistent Christian. And I think a lot of times, you know, we, we might get typecast uh, within the church, you know, uh, you know, if you need something, if you or if you need this, you know, you go to that person, or if you need that done, you know, you go to that person. Uh, but maybe when we do that, you know, we tend not to grow individually as Christians, and tend to grow, you know, into uh, different aspects within the church. You know, I've used this illustration before on a Wednesday night, but you know, you're familiar with the the utility player in baseball. Right? He, he's the player that maybe is not the best player on the team. Uh, he doesn't get the big contract, the big money. Uh, he, he's probably not the best position player on the team. But at a moment's notice, uh, if someone's injured or sick or gets ejected from a ball game, you put this guy in. Right? He, he's a utility player. He can fill in any spot in the field and do the job. And you're confident that he'll be able to do the job. They're invaluable to their teams. And Epaphroditus is this utility player, if you will, uh, of Christianity. Again, they're not going for the big paychecks. They're not going for the attention or the praise. You know, we have no record in the scripture about Epaphroditus and the work that he did, that he was teaching the lost or that he was baptizing converts into Christ or even founding churches, you know, teaching like, like Timothy or Silas. But what consistency we see with, with these descriptions that Paul gives this man. Right, that, that he was his brother, that he was his fellow worker, fellow soldier, uh, a messenger, and a minister to, buy, to my needs. And so this first point, we just want to notice, oh, to be like Epaphroditus, a consistent Christian. Uh, let's, let's look at another thing uh, that we see of this man here in verses 26 to 27, that he was a concerned Christian. Uh, again, look at verses 26 and 27. Because he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed, he was sick to the point of death, but God had mercy on him and not on him only, but also on me so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. You know, in his service to the Lord, we read here that Epaphroditus became ill. Now, of course, scripture doesn't tell us what happened or the nature or the cause of the illness, but this sickness was severe to the point of death, we're told. But somehow word got back, back to the church in Philippi, again, where he was from, that he was ill. And notice the reaction of his own illness. Epaphroditus is not one of self-pity. 
He was more concerned with the effect of the lives of others. Again, remember, this is during a time when there isn't this you know, instant communication like we have now. You know, that, that we can just send a text message or a phone call or an email and let people know of our condition. Uh, but somehow word got back to the Philippi uh, church there that Epaphroditus wasn't doing too well. That he, that he was sick and distressed. And so compounding his illness, we read that Epaphroditus longed for the Philippian church. And that he was distressed because they had heard that he was sick. Again, he was concerned for them. Not for him, but for them. And that term there, distressed, uh, has to do with being worn out and overpowered with heavy grief. I mean, this was this man's concern that the people back home uh, were longing for him and, and that gave him grief. It was, it was as if he was homesick. Uh, that's how much this grief was. And how many of us, when we're going through troubling times, uh, you know, things are going hard or we're not feeling well, are we thinking of others? Uh, that we're thinking about their reaction to our situation. You know, many times we won't even let people know that we are struggling, uh, that we have burdens that we're bearing. And Epaphroditus, again, the scriptures don't tell us, but, but you know, what if, he had, what if he was married? What if he had children? Maybe he was concerned and and, dis- and distressed because uh, they may have found out. Or maybe he thought he was failing the mission of the church that sent him on this mission to uh, help Christ or help Paul in, in this mission. Uh, but whatever the reason, you know, it's human to be concerned. It's human to be distressed. Turn with me, if you will, to Matthew chapter 26. And we're going to look at uh, an account here quickly uh, in, in the life of Christ. In Matthew chapter uh, 26, starting in verse 36, Jesus and the apostles have just uh, participated in the Passover meal. And so they're on their way to the Garden of Gethsemane. And notice, again, Matthew chapter 26, starting in verse 36, the scriptures read, Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be grieved and distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. And when he went a little beyond them and fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Jesus, we're told here, was in great distress. He told the disciples to sit here, and then he took his inner circle. You know, Peter, James, and John, they went a little bit farther, and he explained to them this grief, this distress that he's going to. And this is a crucial time in the life of Christ. You know, he he needs his friends. He needs their comfort and support right now. And as he's praying to the Father, he says, Let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. You know, he's about to endure the, the physical and pain and suffering, this cruel, cruel death on the cross. He's about to bear the sins for the whole world. But ultimately, his desire in this prayer is it, to be removed from this painful death. But it was overshadowed by his desire to do his father's will. His love for fallen humanity constrained him to go forward, not uh, with the only possible plan for human redemption. And that's the offering of the Son of God, this, this great sacrifice. 
Again, in Philippians chapter 2, we're told in verse 27 that God had mercy on Epaphroditus and Paul. This man definitely was not a self-centered individual, but rather was, he was concerned for the brethren. He was looking out for the interests of others. You know, if you go back to verse 4 in chapter 2, uh, notice uh, Paul says, Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. And then he uses Christ as that example. Jesus, of course, is that ultimate example of one being concerned. And that's a challenge for us that we can all do better. We can all do better concerning ourselves with the brethren. You know, I imagine Epaphroditus is like the Christian who calls and checks on another when they miss a service. You know, where was brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so? I'm going to give them a call and see how they're doing. Maybe find out why they miss services. You know, I imagine Epaphroditus is like the Christian that let others know that, uh, you know, next week I'm going on a trip and I just want you to know that I'm not going to be here. You know, I don't want you to be uh, distressed or, or saddened because I'm not here. You know, I imagine that's Epaphroditus. Again, concern for the brethren. We see that in this great example of this man, that he was concerned for, for others. And that, again, is an example for us. Oh, to be like Epaphroditus, a concerned Christian. And finally, we want to notice in verses 28 through 30 that he was a complete Christian. Notice again, verses 28 through 30, Paul writes, Therefore, I have sent him all the more eagerly so that when you see him again, you may rejoice and I may be less concerned about you. Receive him then in the Lord with all joy and hold men like him in high regard because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was deficient in your service to me. See, we see that Paul is sending Epaphroditus back to the Philippian church so that they would have reason to rejoice for him overcoming his illness. They were to receive him, uh, says there in the scriptures, with all joy. They were to hold men like him in high regard, Paul says. You know, give him a hero's welcome. He's doing the work of Christ. Epaphroditus' service, again, it probably wasn't glamorous. Uh, Paul's laundry, Paul's grocery shopping, you know, this type of thing. But yet hold this man in high regard for the great work that he's doing in Christ. And he came close to death for the work of Christ. He risked his life to do it. Uh, literally, he, he's throwing oneself in a dangerous situation. Uh, that's what Epaphroditus got himself into. And he counted the cause of Christ more important than his own safety. And he completed or supplied what was deficient in their service to Paul. You know, uh, many times uh, as congregation of the Lord's church, you know, when, when we see a great work uh, that, that, that we need to get behind, uh, sometimes we'll just, you know, we'll simply uh, write a check and we'll send it to that, that work and we'll support them that way, uh, you know, especially in the foreign mission fields. But instead, we see Epaphroditus not only did that, but he went and labored there as well and labored for Paul. Again, verses 18 in chapter 4 tells us, but I have received Everything in full, Paul says, and I have an abundance. I am amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent. Again, this fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. I hope you noticed uh, in our bulletins, I, I asked Melissa to put on in the bulletins the list of the mission works that we are you know, supporting. You know, the, uh, the Potter's Children's Home and then uh, a couple of the other, uh, Don uh, and, uh, and Brian Hall. 
And so uh, what my hope is, is that we're a little bit more aware uh, of the mission works that we're uh, supporting here, uh, that we're going to you know, pray for them more often, that we're going to interact with them uh, more often. Again, Brian's going to be here in a couple of weeks to speak to us and to show us the, the great work that he's doing in Guyana. You know, these are things that we want to get behind. We want to support them. And who knows? Maybe one day we could take a, you know, a short-term mission trip with them uh, down to Guyana and help spread the gospel there. But, you know, many of these missionaries can only do this work in foreign fields with the financial support of other congregations like us. And we are, we're exactly what Paul says here in verse 30 of Philippians chapter 2. We're completing what is deficient, what is lacking in their works. And many times, you know, it's not about the funding. Uh, you know, that, that's a positive thing. But many times they just need our support. They just need our prayers. There was a story told of a, a missionary who was coming home, being on the foreign mission fields for quite a long time. And he's coming home on an airplane. Uh, and uh, it just so happens that he's on a plane with a famous athlete. And so when they, they get home, they get to the airport, this mob of people, they, they surround the athlete. You know, they got these signs. They're, they're excited to see him. Guess how many were there to see the missionary? Zero. There, there was no one there to, to welcome the missionary home. But the missionary's wife looked at her husband and comforted, her, uh, comforted him and said, this is not the homecoming that matters. And she was letting him know that this, again, this is not the homecoming that matters. Friends, we ask our question, or we ask this question tonight, are you willing to give your life for the spread of the gospel message? Just like Epaphroditus, are you willing to risk your life? But, but again, being a missionary is not for everyone. And hopefully when we uh, hear some of the things that, that Brian does, you know, maybe we'll also agree that, that that work is not for everyone. But we still can encourage them and help complete, again, what is lacking. You know, I've said this before, and you know, I've heard many preachers say this before, but if we can't go in person, we can go in purse, or we can go in prayer. Right? And again, not all of us are fit to, for that work, but we can certainly help financially or with prayers. But Paul says that we should hold men like Epaphroditus in high regard. Again, he risked his life for the work of Christ. And Paul was thankful for the Philippian church and their participation in the gospel. Again, this is a church that helped fund Paul's work when no one else would. Again, oh, to be like Epaphroditus, a complete Christian. Well, friends, if the church is to be successful, you know, we, we understand that every part must do its share. Epaphroditus was willing to do what he could do. He took that, that gift that the Philippian church had uh, put aside for Paul, and he, he, or excuse me, he, he went all the way to Rome with it to be there with him and also to labor with him. Paul was thankful for individuals like him. Hold men like these in high regard. He was faithful to the charge given to him despite the risk that this mission placed upon him. And we see that Epaphroditus is a great example for us, again, because he was consistent, he was concerned, and he was complete in his faith. And no doubt, considering the, the work of Christ is the most important work in the world. And Epaphroditus understood that. And we need individuals today who are convinced that God's work is more important than anything else one might do. Oh, to be like Epaphroditus. What a great example for us. This evening, if you're here with us as we offer the invitation, we would love the opportunity to study with you, uh, to, to um, 
put Christ on in baptism if that so is your desires. You know, the Bible tells us that we must uh, believe the word of God, uh, hear the word of God, believe that Jesus is the Son of God, repent of sin, as we talked about this morning, to have a change of mind. Confess Jesus as Lord and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. If you're here this evening and maybe you are a Christian, but uh, you need the strength of this congregation, uh, you need to ask for forgiveness, uh, whatever your needs uh, are this evening, we'd ask that you would come forward as together we stand and sing this song of invitation.